This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. I think he's becoming a regular on our broadcast. Uh, he's written, <laughs> written some fascinating books for him. Uh, he is... Uh, he keeps on writing new stuff, and we're always going to keep on having Rabbi Daniel J. Glass and joins us, the Rabbi Kehilas, the Ferris Mordechai, and Cedarhurst. Uh, he's a Maga cheer. You can catch him on Torah anytime, and as well as podcasting. His latest books is a series in Hebrew called The Magad Herakia, just came out with Boratius, and we think we last had him on for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur with a book that came out. And I believe Rabbi Glass and Hanukkah is in the offing too, right? Yeah, well, Hanukkah is also uh, it's out for Art School. We will discuss that in the weeks ahead. Yeah, and before you know, it, it'll be Hanukkah. Yeah, <laughs> the way yeah. time flies these days. So you, I always like you have some original concepts, and actually, Beratius is um, through Toldos. I believe Shmos will be the next one coming out, and then you'll finish Beratius later on. So. Yes. There's so much to talk about in the book of Beratius. and so tell us what is there a particular theme that you like to harp on? Well, the the general principle of the sefer is I don't like same old. So you're not going to find material here and say, oh yeah, I know that already. I heard that before. It's it's uh, pretty much all original material. Um, like to take the same concepts. In other words, uh, one of the major themes of Beratius and Shemais is. Adam Rishon not only started in the Garden of Eden, but he also started in a virtual base Hamikdash. You know these these keruvim. We know the keruvim in the Mishkan that God rested on. Actually, there's a Targum Yonas Venuziel. Those were the original keruvim in the Garden of Eden that were flashing the sword to make sure Adam did not come in. That is the original Aron or keruvim that God rested there in the Garden of Eden on those keruvim. And not until we built the Mishkan did we ever revert back to that status of, of the Garden of Eden. So those were not... Are you saying that the Keruvim that stood guard in Gan Eden actually ended up moving to the base of Mikdash? Well, at least at least the ones in the Mikdash were supposed to be a replica or, or a representation of those Keruvim in Gan Eden. Yeah, that's what the Targum Yonasan says. And uh, it's, it's interesting, many of the ingredients in the Mishkan came from the Garden of Eden. The Targum says they brought the Avnei Shaiham and the Avnei Mulam from the Garden of Eden. So it's all working to get back to the Garden of Eden. That's the whole, we were thrown out. That's the story of Sefer Bracious and Sefer Shemois is returning there. And, uh, you know, when we say, Hashiveinu Hashem Elech V'Nashu V'Chadesh Yameinu Kekedem, doesn't just mean bring us back to yesteryear. It means bring us back to Adam and Chava in the Garden of Eden. So our, how are we doing as far as getting back to the Garden of Eden, to yeah. Garden Eden? We've taken a lot of detours. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably one of the best ways to get to the Garden, to the garden of Eden, Garden Eden, would be perhaps if we had more unity, more appreciation one to the other, Hakari Sato, recognition of good done, uh, judging people favorably. I think these are all important concepts, which I know were alluded to in different parts of Horatius, and maybe that's one way to get back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah, well, uh, it all started with the fruit. You know, it all started... Well, with the, what was the fruit, uh, which is your favorite one? There are many different uh, okay. thoughts about what the fruit was. So here's, here's a good one. 
you know, the the, uh, the Gemara brings three opinions. The Gemara brings an opinion. It was wheat, the schita, and based on that, we have lecha mishnah on Shabbos. Based on that, we have matzah on Pesach. There's an opinion that it was geffen. It was a uh, wine, grape. grapes. Huh? And actually, what's interesting is that um, the Archaim Kadosh writes that why would God first tell Adam you could eat from all of the fruits? But you can't eat this way. Then why did he say you could eat all the fruits? So it's not all the fruits. So he said, really, all the fruits were permitted. Even the Eitz was permitted. God wanted him to eat the grape, but at the right time. He was supposed to make Kiddush on that grape at the proper time. But he ate it prematurely. So what Adam did was actually, uh, you know, the first Kiddush club. And he uh, look what he brought to the world. So, you know, I like to say that, you know, Go ahead, have your Kiddush Club and reenact the original sin and everything that, uh, you know, that it brought about. But according to this view, it was it was wine that Adam Harishain uh, partook of prematurely. And that's why we have Dalit Kosos on Pesach. And many Sarms say that's why every man, manner of holiness is always uh, kicked off with, with a glass of wine. And then there's a third opinion. It's, it was the fig, because when... Uh, when uh, God said, Adam, how do you know that uh, you're unclothed? So he made alei te'ena. He wanted to repair in this with the same fruit that he sinned with. So we have these three different fruits. But Benesh Chai wrote, writes that it was one tree that had all three fruits. And as alluded to in the word, tachog, tachog. Three times a year we celebrate tachog, te'ena, chita, gefen. Very and then nice. there's, a fourth, there's a fourth opinion that it was an esrog. Right, there was that, and and the reason why they say it was an Esther because they say all the the earth rebelled against God. There was supposed to be a bare fruits that had the bark was supposed to taste like the fruit, and every, they rebelled. The only one that had the taste of the bark and the fruit was the Esther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nobody says it was an apple, though, right? No, it definitely wasn't that, except I, for I Steve know. Jobs. So how did how did the apple become the proof? We look at all the translations that talk about the apple. The apple, where did the apple get into the mix here? Yeah, look, it's good advertising for uh, apple stock, and uh, you know, get the apple and the honey. By the way, when you mention about the fact that it was grapes and wine, maybe the reason why Noah planted the first thing he planted when he got out of the ark was a vine. Was maybe he wanted to bring back the taste of Gan Eden? Yeah, yeah, he he uh, he seemed to have wanted to rectify that sin. What's interesting is, if you look carefully in Rashi, and I actually thought that this, this morning, Rashi says he planted Kerem. Rashi says, Zemoros Lakachimo, he took a vineyard with him, and fig. And Noach is criticized. He should have planted something else. Maybe that means he should have also brought the third thing. You know, why did he stop short? If only he would have brought the, the third uh, item as well, he could have rectified all three. I saw another interesting thought as to why he planted a vine and why he should not be cast, you know, should be looking, looked down upon for doing so, is that you have a situation where on the Mizbech, on the altar, you can use any wood except the wood from the olive and the wood from the, from the, um, uh, from the, uh, from the vine, from where you make grape, grapes come from. Uh-huh. The reason being that the dove brought the olive branch. What's the significance of the dove bringing the olive branch? Is, t- is telling, uh, telling Noah that he should be humble, that the reason why he was saved 
was because of the same concept of the ah, what's the concept is that you don't burn the parent in, in deference to the children. The children, which is the olives or the wine on the mezbah, is you don't hurt the parent, which is the which which gave birth to it. Which right. Moshe Rabbeinu used as the argument when God was angry at Aaron for the golden calf and he wanted to destroy Aaron. He says, in the sake of his children, you can't destroy Aaron. Right. So that's the message. So the so what the dove was really telling Noah was is that you're saved because of your children. Ela told us Noah, and that's the reason why Noah was saved. Noah Hashem found Noah Hashem Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Why? Ela told us Noah because of his children. So right. that was the lesson that he gave. So the the, the the dove only gave him the olive. So when Noah got out of the table, he could have said the whole world was saved because of me. He could have been he could have been arrogant, but he was humble and he planted. The other, the other item, which is the vine, to show that he is humble, that he learned that lesson that he was saved because of his children. Right. Very nice. So another way of looking at uh, what, it in the book. Yeah. In the next one. <laughs> yes. I'm sure. Let me ask: When you're writing a safer and you're writing a commentary, I'm sure you have many things that you like to put in that you don't put in. So how do you choose and say this? I like this. I'm not going to put in when you. I'm sure you have so many creative thoughts. Right. Okay. So there, there are a few guidelines. Um, one guideline is that uh, not every answer that answers a question is authorized to be said. You can't just like sort of shoot from the hip and say, well, you know, my idea answers question A, B, and C. So let me just offer it. You, you have to have it substantiated. So uh, the, you have to have proof to, you have to substantiate your idea so that it's compelling. Um, but in my opinion, it has to be an original contribution. I mean, there, there are a lot of books out there. Shlomo Amalek says, Aso Svarim Harbe in Kates. There's sort of no end to the publishing. So it has to be something original. So uh, the, the basic guideline is it has to be A, compelling, and B, uh, original. And uh, I'm sure you have many compelling and original <laughs> thoughts that didn't make it in, uh, right? Uh, are you saving that for, for volume two? <laughs> I don't mean the second part of of racial even to do a actually, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of uh, writing it right now. <laughs> yeah. okay i just just was checking yeah rabbi daniel j glassing is our guest uh as you heard he's creative he's written quite a few books we've had him on before dealing with the holidays and he came out uh, with one in hebrew now called magad harakia Dealing from Bereshis uh, to Toldos, he's a Rav of Kahilas to Ferris Mordechai in Cedarhurst, New York. Yeah. In your last book, we had you on about the high holidays. You had some very interesting stories that went with some of the thoughts that you have. Do you have any interesting stories relating to Bereshis that you also incorporated into yeah. the paper? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, if I may, I think one of the most interesting. Uh, essays here is uh, from the end of the Sefer on Parshas Toldois regarding the Torah viewpoint on parenting because I think most people think the Torah has a very uh, old age or archaic viewpoint on the type of relationship a parent should have with a child and what's amazing is if we dig into the most authentic sources the Torah's concept of parenting is as novel as progressive as as imaginable um i'll give you just a a few examples you know we're familiar that that rashi um picks up on two discrepancies between the way asav spoke to his father and the way yaakov spoke to his father yaakov said please yaakov um yaakov 
also invoked the name of Hashem. Esav never said, please, Esav never invoked the name of Hashem. But Hassam Sofer picks up on another discrepancy. And that is, Esav spoke to his dad in a third person. He said, Yaakum Avi, will the father get up? Like you talk to a, a rabbi, you know, you say, does the rabbi? And uh, and Yaakov spoke to him second person. He said, um, Kum Nashiva, please get up. He spoke to him directly. And Hassam Sofer says that Jewish people address their parent in must, much more uh, directly than even uh, the nations of the world. The nations of the world have a certain disconnect between parent and child. And therefore, they refer to them in third person. But by the Jewish people, there's such a closeness and such a friendship between child and parent that it's not appropriate for a child to refer to his parent in third person. And what, this is really remarkable. Remember when Yosef um, reveals himself to his brothers and he says, listen, don't sweat it. I know you're worried that I'm going to take revenge. He says, don't worry. God made me a father to Pharaoh. What does that mean? What did Yosef mean? God made me Pharaoh's av, father. Rashi there says, av, what does father mean? Lechaver ulepatron, friend and supporter. Rav Schwab, Rav Shimon Schwab says, from this Rashi, we see what the Torah's definition of parenting is. The definition of a parent is, am I my kid's best friend? Av is chaver. The definition of av is chaver. And I think that's very eye-opening. I think most parents, if you'd ask, you know, what, what's my main responsibility to my child? I have to I have to make sure they go on the right path. I have to set them up in life. I have to teach them etiquette. I have to teach them manners. And Rashi is defining uh, that the main uh, responsibility of a parent is to see to it that he they, they forge a relationship of closeness. And only in that context can you be successful sort of in imparting uh, the values to a child. And it's one story here that that's, <laughs> it's so mind boggling that in the Sefer that I saw it in, in the new edition of the Sefer, they took it out. Probably either they got too much flack or it's too controversial, but um, I bring it anyway. This, this, it's a really, it's a, you're, not, you're not going to take it out of your Sefer, right? No, 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 no. What I, but I knew how to put it in. I wrote, that it or it was taken out of the original safer probably because it would be misunderstood, you know. So that's how I painted it. But it's a story about uh, from Rabbi Gam, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich, who's one of the leading Kabbalists in Yushalayim today. He's the Rosh Hashiva of Shara Shamayim, but he's also an address for many parents who have kids at risk. So he's very familiar with the current uh, uh, attitude of teen- teens and their challenges and so forth. And he said that his mother told him that if the Ten Commandments were written today, now that alone is like heresy. What do you mean if the Ten Commandments are, were written today? It would not say honor your father and mother. It would say honor your son and daughter. That's what his mother. Now, Ram Gamliel Rabinovich is a uh, Yushalmi Yid. He's definitely of Haredi persuasion. And he says that if, from his mother, you know, this goes back a hundred years, that if the Ten Commandments were today, now, of course, that doesn't mean there's no mitzvah of honoring your father and mother, but we live in a generation where uh, kids need the respect from their parents. And listen to what he says. He says that in the vast majority of cases where children are 
contemplating maybe taking a different path than their parents, the vast majority of cases is because they don't feel the parent values them. And he says, this is, this is amazing. When God came, comes to Abraham, he says, Abraham, you know, go to the Akedah. What does Abraham say? Hineni. What does Hineni mean? Rashi says, a language of humility, a language of prepared to do the bidding of God. When Yitzchak turns to Avraham, he says, Hey, Dad, Avi, where are you taking me? What does Avraham say? Hineni, behold, here I am. The same language of humility that Abraham used to speak to the Almighty, Avraham used to speak to his son. Says Ram Gamliel, from here we learn that the same aniva, same humility a, parent, a, a human being has to have before God a parent should have to their child if they want their child to follow in their path and to listen to them. And he says, there is no doubt the reason why Avraham was successful in raising a child of the caliber of Yitzchak is because of this manner of humility with which Avraham dealt with Yitzchak. And Yitzchak felt the value his father gave him and the, the courtesy his father gave him and Yitzchak uh, continued in the path of Avraham. So I think this is this is a rather... Um, new age parenting idea that's found in the traditional sources of uh, our sages. So what you're saying, because sometimes you hear conflicting things when parenting, where they say the parents should have to have a certain amount of respect for the kid. They shouldn't be too chummy, too buddy-buddy, which you have today in society. What you're saying is, is that the parents have to be buddy-buddy with their kids. I'm not saying it. This but is you're like, quoting, right? yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. That's what I'm. Uh, and there's nothing wrong if you say that. If you say yeah, that, it should yeah. be close. In fact, I, I'm reminded, and I know you don't cover it in your savior, You only go through told those. But when when Yosef Atzadik, Joseph the righteous, when uh, he was about to sin with the wife of Potiphar, he saw the image of his father, which meant that he was close to his father. The father was in his thoughts. So when he was about to do something which would go against his family's values the visage of his father came to him because of the closeness to his father. Absolutely. You know, that's a very important idea. At the end of the day, in the 11th hour, what, stopped, what saved Yosef's life was not, it wasn't fear of God. It wasn't religiosity. It wasn't ugh, some kind of, uh, it, it was, he doesn't want to let his parents down. He doesn't want to let his father down. And that's it's very important for a parent to have that type of relationship with his child, that the child considers that in, in their course in life. No, that's that's so important. Relationships is what righteous is all about, right? It's a, some are good, and some we right, Some of them were not so good. Listen, how each of the patriarchs had to deal with their own prevails. You had, you know, you have Avram had to deal with Yishmael. Uh, how he deal? He had banished from the house. You have Yitzhak dealing with Esav. You have yeah. Yaakov dealing with, you know, jealousy of his kids. So you have so the Torah's whole dealing with parenting and how to deal with it and what you shouldn't do. And that's not afraid to show the bad examples of where even some of the greatest leaders, the patriarchs made mistakes. Of dealing just, with children. You know, um, so we have, we have a tightrope when, when we're dealing with Boratius in terms of, you know, we have to view the patriarchs through the prism of our sages. You know, we, we have to be very careful not to conjecture or, um, but this is Chazal. They say Yaakov, yeah. a parent yeah. shouldn't favor one kid over the other. That's Chazal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting, Rashi himself says 
that when uh, when Avra, when Lavan catches up with Yaakov Avinu, so they had this big meal, and Yaakov calls, it says Yaakov called his brothers. So Rashi says, what brothers? Yaakov doesn't have brothers. Rashi says the same idea. His children were like his brothers. Chida points out, you want to be successful in raising children? Treat your adult children like brothers, not like children. He even says, he says numerically valued at Banov, your children. Treat your children like they're your brothers, then, then you have a shot, maybe they'll listen to you. On the other hand, you know, when Yaakov prays, he says, My God, the God of Abraham, my father, and the God of Isaac. And he doesn't say of Isaac, my father. He does says, Avraham was more Yaakov's father. Because Avraham used to call Yaakov, Bani, 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 my son, my son. Yitzchak did, you know, the only person Yitzchak called Bani. Was was he never called Yaakov, my son. So you see that Yitzchak seemed to have a closer relationship with Esav. As a, and, but Avraham forged a very close relationship with Yaakov. And Yaakov felt it. And Yaakov referred to God as the God of Abraham, his father. So... But that's but the Torah is not afraid to tell you exactly how it is and how it was. Yeah, and uh, it's there for us to learn. You know, listen. You know, parents uh, tend to make mistakes, and the Torah is not afraid to show that even the greatest of us did things which you know Chazal can say we should learn from to do differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. A- now, these are important lessons from Barashas. Go on, you were saying, Rabbi. Yeah, the, the Torah is like a magnifying glass. You know, the, the Navi Amos says, I only love the Jewish people, and therefore God always points out our flaws. But his pointing out our flaws is, is a sign of his love. It's like I give an example. You know, if you're walking with your kid down the street, you say, you know, um, hey, kid, why do you have a little stain on your shirt? Meanwhile, some kid across the street, his whole his whole shirt is is full of uh, dirt. You don't say anything because you don't care as much. You want your child to be perfect. So because God loves us so much, he's always pointing at our flaws because of his love for us. He he wants us to to be perfect. You know, it's a display of his love for for the Jewish people. Well, awesome. We could, you know, talk about, and I'm sure we'll have to have you back for a future progress. There's so many parenting ideas. There's one idea that I love from Bracious. I have to see if it's in your safer or not. Dealing with Yishmol, they said Yishmol was somebody who engaged in uh, archery, and God yeah. was with him. So what does it say God was with him? I, forget, I don't know if it was Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky or some other uh, Rav said that sometimes we have an idea for our kids. We want them to be a doctor. We want them to be a lawyer. But sometimes you let the, you let the kids go and do what they do best. In the case of Yishmael, archery was what he did best. So God was with him, even though he was in, may not be the profession that you, that uh, maybe the family would have wanted him to be. But this is what he excelled in, and you encourage your kids to go into what they excel in. Yeah, Chanuch Lenar Alpidarko, and, uh, you know, Reb Fal Hirsch famously says that, uh, the reason Esav took a wrong turn is because uh, they tried to groom him in the same direction as Yaakov, and uh, he wasn't cu- cut out for that type of uh, lifestyle of scholarship. But look, it all goes it all goes back to Bereshis. Bereshis is the handbook of all life, uh, marriage, parenting, 
relationship between all family members, relationship with God, it all starts with the, uh, with the beginning. Speaking of relationships, talk to me about Timna, because Timna seems to be the mother, yeah. she is the mother, so to speak, of, of, uh, of our arch enemies, Amalek. Yeah. But going to the Medrash, she wanted to really be part of the Abrahamic family. I'm yeah. not sure how she could have gone to both Abraham, to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Yeah, that's a, Timna is a fascinating story. Um, she she was like a, she she was in uh, prestige, but, right, huh? but she said uh, she wanted to be like a concubine to Abraham. Abraham rejected her, and uh, Reb Chaim Shmulevitz brings out that the the venom of rejection, the poison that one feels by being rejected, is so uh, insidious. It's so it's so vicious that it sprouted into Amalek, and we always have to be careful. Um, when we say no to people and we reject them, we have to be aware of the possible consequences. The feeling of rejection is a very, uh, the most painful feeling in this world. And uh, look what happened to her, you know. So much we can learn from uh, what you're writing and so much we can learn from Bracious Genesis. Our guest is Rabbi Daniel J. Glotzin, his latest Safer. You have two Magadar Rikias, right? One on Bracious. You have yes, another we, had, one. we have a Magadar Rikia on Bracious. Shamos is coming out. We also have on actually on Purim, and on the Haggadah. So we'll have to have a number of future discussions. But um, Absolutely. No, it's fascinating. I like the, your thoughts are very refreshing, original, and the book is called Magad Harakir. Where can people get a hold of the book? Okay, so uh, the, the Safer is available in, uh, you know, in all your better Svarim stores, uh, Carrie, and it's available online as well. You can go to our site, rabbidg.com. And you could order it there and with uh, free shipping and uh, get it in time for uh, the next Parsha, uh, Noah. And uh, if, if I could end with uh, really one very beautiful, powerful thought, you know, Noah is introduced with uh, a whole intro, Matzachim Be'nei Hashem, we give his whole resume, you know, everything he ever did. And and the end of Noah, we have this family, our Pachshad and uh, Terach and Nachar and Abraham. And who is the guy? Who is, we, we just said 20 names. Why him? Is he a Tzadik? Doesn't say. Is he a Tamim? Doesn't say. Is he Matzachin Bnei Hashem? Does he, doesn't say a word about it. There's nothing given for the resume of Abraham Avinu. It's very interesting. Noah gets all these accolades. And Abraham, God speaks and we have no idea why. So the Maharal says this is literally the most hopeful observation on the whole Torah. Because when God select, spoke to Abraham and selected him, he's selecting Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people. If it would have said Abraham was a tzaddik, he was a, a charitable and full of kindness, then you would have thought, you know why God selected the Jewish people? Because of A, B, C. It's a love dependent on something. And what's going to be in the year 2022 when we don't have these qualities? Maybe God won't love us anymore. So God specifically say, I spoke to Abraham. Why? Just because it's intrinsic. The love God has for the Jewish people is not because of any quality, characteristic, good deed. It's It's not dependent on anything. It's, it's inherent. And therefore, it's immutable and it's eternal. And a really beautiful idea. Beautiful idea. I have to have you back because I think Noah gets a bad rap. 
at least for some of us now, right? So I'll, I'll close with this in our conversation because I love the thought. And I think Rashi usually goes by his first opinion. And he puts down, yes, some of our rabbis yeah. say that Noah was to be complimented. He lived in the time of Avram, been even greater. Then he says, yes, there's some that say he lived in the time of Avram, nothing. But it's interesting that they, he doesn't call them rabbosain, doesn't call them rabbis that have the negative opinion. He only calls rabbosain rabbis that have the positive opinion. I okay. love that that diuk, that uh, way of looking at Rashi, because he's mm-hmm. careful in what he says. We always have to judge people in the favorable light, and when you have a choice to be negative or positive, I think we should always err in being positive. I think that's the message that Rashi is trying to give us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, tonight is, uh, yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> anyway, thank Rabbi Daniel J. Glossin. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, we appreciate your being here, look forward to having you back. And Hanukkah's right around the corner, so we're going to light up the candles, right? Uh, very okay, soon. yeah, looking forward. Looking forward to the ne- our next discussion. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the thetalklinenetwork.com. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.